welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Why do the nations rage and the peoples meditate on a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord mocks them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of Yahweh. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall shatter them like a potter's vessel. So now, O kings, show insight, take warnings, O judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. That's Psalm 2, and uh, we'll read that out today. We read that out today uh, as a prelude to the uh, the electioneering and posturing that uh, that we've seen taking place in, uh, in the West already as we've come up to the next couple of election cycles. This is the podcast for cultural reformation. I'm Ryan Aris, and I am joined as ever by Dr. Joe Boot. And before we begin, uh, we're going to uh, gonna talk, just remind you that we have two Mission of God conferences coming up. December 2nd, Windsor, Ontario. December 9th in Calgary, Alberta. Those are just a, a few short weeks away. Tickets are still available. We've got to uh, Got plenty of space. Made sure to uh, to get uh, good good partner uh, churches and venues and friends who are uh, committed to uh, to having lots of uh, lots of space for us. So get your tickets uh, for those conferences. EzraInstitute.com is uh, is where you can buy them. But before or, yeah, before that, we've got a uh, we've got some I don't know some world news and events to uh, to comment on here. And uh, we're going to uh, to start looking ahead by looking back. Joe, it's it's good to see you. By the way, thank you for sitting there patiently. I didn't officially welcome you. It's always it's always a pleasure, Ryan. And uh, this this um, this this sort of pre Christmas series we've been doing on Ezra Answers Back has given us a bit of a. I think a relatively um, rare opportunity to indulge ourselves in in the sort of uh, current affairs, uh, which mm-hmm. um, you know is a little bit of a break from our from our normal more intensive series on different things. Um, but as you said, you know we've got uh, the U.S. election coming up next year. We've got a U.K. election coming up next year, and um, even though Canada's general election isn't till twenty twenty five. Uh, the posturing, the um, the positioning, the jostling, the um, the preparing to oust leaders, um, that kind of thing. It's already started. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in the wake of world events that we've been talking about the last few weeks, we thought uh, this week, why not talk about the state of our democracies, um, a bit of a state of the nation, and reflect on how uh, things are sort of shaping up for um for christians as we look at the the state of our countries in the west and um how we are to think about and think through these forthcoming elections right yeah exactly so uh, and 
some some of this uh, if if you're watching the uh, watching the news watching the commentary at all some of this is uh bog standard election cycle uh events and some of it is uh, is more unique and the uh the I guess one of the one of the common links in all of it is just the the degree to which um pub- public opinion is being uh Manipulated and manhandled, and uh, overtly, the the overt influence is uh, is being sought and exercised. And to uh, to look forward to these, to look look ahead. That is to say, to these uh, these elections. Uh, one of the things that we're going to do uh, to start with is to uh, to look back. So we've got uh, we've got a, a pretty famous uh, interview here from 1985. This is with. Uh, KGB defector Yuri Bezmenov, uh, who uh, defected from the USSR during the Cold War, and he's uh, he's explaining how uh, ideological subversion uh, on a on a grand scale is accomplished. So what uh, what we're going to do is play a couple of minutes of this clip, and uh, then Joe, I'll get you to uh, to interact with it and see. Uh, talk about how we're seeing this played out, this nearly 40-year-old interview, speaking obviously of events that are past and ongoing at at that time, and how it's it's a timely sort of uh, lesson for us today in uh, in 2023. So without further ado, we're going to get that clip teed up here. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that... uh... I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do, is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type of of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriatia in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process, which goes very slow, and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll pause it there after the first, uh, first minute and a half or so. Uh, it was uh, obviously the, the main point that he's making here is that sort of you know espionage or uh, you know cold war era uh, 
cold war, you know war tactics espionage tactics the the main emphasis is not sort of gathering intelligence on what to what your enemy is doing uh, but he called it uh, active measures he said it's it's not uh, not actually rocket science there's no there's no specialized technique you just as if you I said, pull the bananas out of your ears. You can, uh, you can, and you're starting to pay attention. You can start to see this wherever you go. And there are all kinds of terms that he used for it. Uh, like I said, active measures, uh, psychological warfare. The point is to, on a uh, on a grand scale, on on a societal level, uh, to change the perception of reality. So not to uh, not to hinder or interrupt or uh, intercept the the flow of information primarily but to to affect the way that people that people perceive it uh, and then he'll uh, will will keep watching later on but uh, this is uh yeah th- again this is just very interesting uh, like I said we're we're looking back in order to look forward here uh, and how not not to uh, we we want I want to be careful about uh, sort of criticizing our, uh, media technology generally because that's uh, that's not where where we want to end up I think but just the the amount of noise and the amount of uh, or the the lack of uh, lack of discipline lack of training amongst people with regard to this. So that we are absorbing uh, this twenty-four hour news cycle is really, really gone gone a long way to uh, to saturate us and oversaturate us in information and opinion that we feel that we need to 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 align ourselves with. Um, actually, one of the, one of the things jumping ahead to uh, one of our other video clips talking about uh, Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And I mentioned this just to, uh, to as an illustration. About twenty percent of the people polled in uh, in this particular poll say that uh, they they want to, they want Trudeau out of office, not for any specific reason, uh, but because they're tired of him. And it's uh, they just think I don't know he he's been in too long. Maybe they're they would they would rather have a change of face. Never mind a change of policy. Never mind a change of direction. But let's uh, give us give us somebody else to look at. Um, I don't know, Joe. Uh, and that's that's not uh, that's not unique, but it is interesting to uh, to hear it said so so overtly. Um, mm-hmm. What do you? Uh, how how do you take this uh, this interview in the light of uh, of where we're at? Well, I think it sets it up well, which is why I think we we selected this Ryan as we as we talked because the this interview was 1985. Uh, Yuri mm-hmm. uh is a uh, basically a, a a Russian defector. Um, yeah. He's a KGB defector, so this is somebody who was highly placed in the Russian KGB. So he, he and he's defected to the United States. It's almost 40 years ago this interview, and he's explaining that um, political. Uh, life and social life in the West is being strategically um, affected by Marxism. And uh, the goal, he said, of course, is to destroy your enemy from within. This is the the, the, the mm-hmm. basic idea of it, 
is that you undermine the, your your perceived enemy from within. And, and he, he says the first step really in this process is, is demoralization. Um, hmm. you, you must ideologically subvert your opponent. And as you said, it's not because there are James Bond-esque techniques here being employed. Um, it is uh, an intellectual, social, slow march through the institutions to demoralize mm -hmm. an entire generation. And I think he's going to comment more about that. Is if we are to understand political reality today in the United States, in Britain, in Canada, if we can understand what's going on, even as these election cycles begin to position themselves, as you deal with uh, and, and trying to think through everything that's going on in the Middle East and in, and in Russia and Ukraine and so on, it's really important to understand how our own populations got to the point where so few are even interested, really, in mm -hmm. uh, elections. I mean, if you look at the actual participation rates, uh, they're very low. Uh, and the way in which the the change of the the the, the social order away from what we would call um, Christendom values, Western values, basically a Christian social order. Um, Americans would say Americanism. In Britain, they would talk about British values, Canada, Canadian values. When people talk about that, what we're actually talking about is the the, the history steeped in Christianity, ideas of the rule of law, freedom, um, freedom of expression, uh, virtue, um, uh, uh, the family, morality, self-discipline, all of these kinds of things, um, hard work, free markets, and so on. Um, the, the, the KGB, he says, uh, were playing the long game. It's a generational task. And uh, it begins with the process of demoralization. And so the reason I think this interview is so remarkable and so interesting is it really helps us interpret what is going on politically today. Let's hear a little bit more. It's a great brainwashing uh, process, which goes very slow, and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black. You still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people uh, 
the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people who've been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm -hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can, you can get uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically America is stuck with, with demoralization and unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, n normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. So more, uh, I guess, more, more development of the, uh, the same theme. You've got, uh, you've got an established and uh, sort of hand-picked class of opinion makers, uh, pundits, news anchors, and so forth, uh, who have been deliberately programmed uh, and he said, "You're you're stuck with them. You've got an established class of uh, of these people, and uh, they will uh, they are unable, un, un incapable of uh, of changing their minds, even in the face of the, of ev of evidence. If you were to place it before their eyes, uh, one of the uh, or two two interesting things that." Uh, 
that emerged from this section of the interview for me, Joe. Uh, first of all, again, this is this is 1985, and he's using the phrase social justice, uh, which yeah. We uh, the other thing is again he he mentioned that uh, again, 38 years ago, he said this demoralization process in America has been is practically complete and has been uh, ongoing for 35 years. So we're we're looking at you know right after right after World War II, immediately after like the from from the beginning of the the rise of the Soviet Union. This uh, this program of ideological subversion was a uh, was a tactic was a a planned strategy, uh, which uh, again should uh, should probably not surprise, but is uh, is interesting to to hear it said and to look at it uh, mm-hmm. again in twenty twenty three and and just sort of be reminded of what uh, what we have what we have lived through and what we have uh, been subjected to. Well, we're still living in the, the 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 wake, of course, of of all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. the uh, we know we've often talked about on our program about the Frankfurt School, uh, yeah. the these uh, Marxist, Leninists, um, um, and critical theorists that emerged from the Frankfurt School, left Germany, came to the United States, and uh, began to ply their wares, especially in the um, the middle part of the twentieth century, and eventually we get the student revolution and the sexual revolution. And he's speaking, of course, in 1985 and saying, you know, look, um, these people are in place. They are they are in the teaching positions. They occupy the positions of political authority. And of course, in the last 35 years since then, since he was speaking, um, that situation has not improved because the generation, mm-hmm. you know, indoctrinated in the schools uh, uh, in his time are now the ones at sort of our age who are occupying yep. positions of authority in the civil service. Um, it's a big problem, for example, in the United Kingdom. In certain sense, it doesn't matter which party you elect into government, the civil service or, you know, these Americans might uh, might call it the uh, the deeper state. Um, those, those people that are su- supposed to be implementing uh, the, um, the democratic will um, through the representative governmental structure. So you have these MPs in power and, and, a, and a, a particular government comes into power, but the civil service doesn't alter. Um, and uh, these um, these uh, departments of state, which are now so vast, of course, I mean, they're, they're absolutely huge. And I think in Canada, there was a, there was a period where if you look at the way that the government, um, uh, people working directly for government has swelled in Canada over the Trudeau era, it's absolutely staggering. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number I of, think of something these... like uh, ten thousand new bureaucrat positions per year, uh, and we're yes. heading into his uh, his ninth year of uh, ninth year of of, of his yeah. his reign. Now, Yuri is pointing out that these people have been schooled in a particular worldview. They've been indoctrinated into it. And this is one of the well-known frustrations of having social and political conversations with people. Oftentimes, Ryan, people even in the uh, professing Christian church uh, who haven't thought in terms of a biblical world and life view about uh, cultural and political reality and have by osmosis picked up these ideas. I'm reminded of something that Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, actually said 
uh, as he observed the the, uh, the 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 degree of sort of programming that went on uh, in Nazi Germany. And while he was languishing in prison, he was reflecting on how how was it that the German people had been sort of lulled into this collective ideological stupidity. And this is what he says. I'm mm. quoting Bonhoeffer now. He says, the fact that stupid people are often stubborn should not hide the fact that they are not independent. When talking to, when talking to mm. him, one feels that one is not dealing with him personally, but with catchphrases, slogans that have taken possession of him. He's under a spell. He is blinded. He is abused in his own being. Having become an instrument without an independent will, the fool will also be capable of all evil and at the same time unable to recognize it as evil. But it is also quite clear here that it is not an act of instruction, but only an act of liberation that can overcome stupidity. The Bible states that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Thus, the inner liberation of man begins by living responsibly before God. Only then may stupidity be overcome, end quote. And he's talking there about stupidity, not as a problem of intellectual capacity, but this indoctrination mm -hmm. that uh, Yuri Bezmenov is talking about, where through this educational reprogramming, when people aren't... Uh, in Christ, they have not been conformed to the image of his son, where they're not being transformed by the renewal of their mind. There's a blindness, there's an unwillingness even to accept truth that's right in front of them. And we're seeing this played out now, um, even with the, you know, all of the leftist groups coalescing around the, the situation in Palestine. Um, even when Hamas tunnels under the hospitals are displayed, are shown, uh, where caches of weapons are shown, when CCTV footage of hostages being paraded through hospital wards are shown, it's still questioned, disbelieved. Um, the, there's, a, there's a mindset, whether it's the climate cult, uh, the Just Stop Oil cult, the, so the carbon cults, basically, um, the, 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 the cultural Marxism, uh, these things, they, they coalesce around a set of ideological perspectives. And as anybody who knows who's tried to talk to people in the grip of these, it's very difficult. And Yuri's saying, you know, when he sort of, to some degree with resignation says, you can't convince these people until they feel, you know, the, the jackboot in their behind uh, yeah. and, the, and the prison door slamming behind them, they're not going to get it. Um, this is really the same point that Bonhoeffer is making. He's saying it's not an act of instruction that can change these people. It has to be, he says, uh, an act of liberation um, by by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that is why, mm -hmm. for many Christians, the the political situation now is so difficult to to grapple with. It in, in, in that sense, it it feels like you know, um, as we were discussing before our show, you know. In Canada, for example, a, a, a sort of one-party system um, where it's just shades of pink. Um, in mm. the United Kingdom, we've got really the collapse of conservatism, uh, the loss of conservative identity. The party's riven down the middle, basically now, um, and uh, you know, one is is trying to move in a more populist direction. The other one is just trying to look like the. The, the social uh, democracy, um, the liberal social democracy of the, the leftist parties. Um, and so 
as you see the sort of even trying to find clear distinctions between these political parties sort of slowly eroding um, and uh, people not being able to see much light between the two, this is because this long process of ideological subversion and of demoralization, and that demoralization doesn't mean simply making people depressed. It means you literally strip them of their morals. You strip That's them right. of virtue. Yeah. You strip them of their moral compass. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, and when we look at the issues that are argued about politically now, of you know, transgenderism uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, euthanasia, um, the, the things that are being advanced in our culture, you know, uh, no fault divorce, total collapse of the family, all these things that we're familiar with, abortion on demand, the industrial scale abortion. And uh, you see how difficult it is to make headway. It's because this is mm-hmm. fundamentally what we're dealing yeah. with. The notion that just some sort of political instruction somehow coming from somewhere is going to change it um, is, I think, illusory. This is this is why, as an institute, we talk about culture uh, and cultural mm-hmm. transformation and gospel culture and the culture of Christ, because politics, in the end, as an aspect of culture, is at the mouth, not the source. It's downstream. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's what's tipping yeah. right at the end into the sea. It's not fundamentally what is uh, shaping people's minds. And so when when uh, Bezmanov says, "Look, you know, take take the bananas out of your ears and just look around you, um, and listen to what's going on and see what's going on," um, you 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 recognize that it's it's out of control. You know, we've got um, we've had we've had marches of 500,000 plus people in London in the last few weeks. Uh, right. In uh, yeah. basically, fundamentally, in support of Hamas. Uh, and, and it's being mm-hmm. led by, you know, the Socialist Workers' Party and Queers for Palestine. Um, I mean, this kind of, um, uh, you know, and you've got the Just Stop Oil, you know, radicals coalescing around the same cause. This is the kind of, of, of you, you see it everywhere, this inability to think, inability to reason these things through, inability to stare reality in the face. And so you come mm-hmm. to an election cycle and many people, you know, are um, who are thinking about these issues are quite understandably somewhat despairing because a, a political adjustment, a tinkering around the edges politically um, isn't going to bring any uh, substantive change. This is a multi-generational task, um, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it takes the uh, you know a long process of cultural transformation, re-education, um, before we're going to see really a significant political change back in the direction of Christian virtue. Now, I'm not say, saying that we're not seeing populist movements uh, appear. Uh, uh, in various places, we are, um, but whether they will have staying power or any longevity is the issue. Of course, you're seeing some people in reaction, but very often they don't know why they're reacting. It's kind of visceral. They just sense that something's gone badly wrong, but they're not sure how to frame it. They lack the worldview tools to understand it, and then, uh, free, and usually, they're not being offered distinctly Christian thinking as an alternative in government and political life. Right. I think uh, as as you're talking about it, I think this uh, this idea, this concept of demoralization, is more important and uh, mo- uh, 
often undervalued uh, in uh, in terms of the uh, the broader discussion uh, because what we're seeing is you know more and more we we uh, we and we I think we can trace a lot of these things back to a root of this demoralization with you know, the the spoon-fed opinions uh, earnestly and tenaciously held uh, the uh, the idea of this open-ended and uh, ill-defined need for tolerance. Um, this, uh, as as we talk about culture, uh, we have in many ways uh, allowed ourselves uh, to uh, to build up a culture of demoralization. And we talk we talk about the inescapability, uh, the the inevitable concept of culture and culture making. So if uh, if you have had a 35-year, 45-year, 75-year program of active active measures, as, as Bezmenov called mm-hmm. it, of de- demoralizing your citizens, uh, you, need, well, you, you, need, you need the gospel. You need, you need a new heart. You need a heart of stone ripped out and to be replaced with yeah. a heart of flesh. But even d- downstream from that, you, you don't need just... Uh, instruction you don't just need information but you need you need coaching you need somebody to grab you by the back of the neck and put you on a track and say like you you've been going the wrong way most of your life and we're gonna we're gonna get you on the right way yeah and i think you know uh shameless plug but uh i mean this is what the institute is about isn't it uh, this is what we've been working on. I knew for, there was a for, reason for, I brought it up. <laughs> this is what we've been working on all of these years, whether it's with Ezra Press and uh, our, our books, uh, our, our journal, our uh, our internet resources, and specifically our in-person training. And there's a reason mm-hmm. that we we focus on uh, our Worldview Youth Academy for you know 14s through 19s, um, and or 14s through 18s. And our Cultural Leadership Academy is focused on 19s through, you know, 39s because it's that generation, it's that, it's the younger people whose hearts and minds have to be recaptivated. Um, there's a reprogramming. And our experience has been at our, at our in-person training in particular that the the testimony of the students is very much, without any coaching in the, to, to say these things, along those lines of... I felt mm. like my brain was deconstructed in the first few days and rebuilt in the second half. Um, right. Uh, in yeah. terms of a, 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 a new understanding, a biblical understanding of reality, of the whole of life. And um, this is what uh, has to happen. And for some of them, you know, when they first drive, it's a bit of a shock. And, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the first couple of days, oh, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure I really agree with that. Um, you you get mm-hmm. there for some, there's a sort of visceral sense of pushback until the elements are all broken down and deconstructed for them so that they can see mm-hmm. where this ideological subversion and this demoralization has taken place. And then you start to then replace that. It's like this put off, put on process. You, you, you put yes. off the old and then you start to put on the new uh, that Christ teaches us and that the word of God grounds us in. Um, and this has happened, you know, so ubiquitously in the West, and it's happened throughout our educational institutions. It's why Christian education is so important. Christian schools are so important. Home education is so important. 
that we have to rebuild the Christian mind. Uh, we can, we can. There's going to be situations, sure, where at the political level we can put our uh, a finger here and there into you know the dike that uh, is bursting, you know, and a cracks mm-hmm. appeared here and waters squirting through, and you can just you you can stick a stick a hand over that one and another one opens you stick a hand over that one and another one and and that has some value because you are at least yeah. stopping the yeah. flow of water but you're not going to stop that dam breaking by merely political band-aids here and there without this root and branch religious change that we're talking about and uh you see, and and you see this in the even where um, let's take the United States right now. Obviously, a country divided right down the middle, literally mm-hmm. divided down mm-hmm. the middle. Um, on the on the on the one side that is trying to to hang on to Americanism, a, a patriotism, a sense of uh, America's history and values and constitutional values. Um, there, you've got. Many of those people, it's intuitive, it's instinctive, but it isn't uh, it isn't grounded and rooted in a consistent scriptural worldview. It's not rooted in something that can last and stand the test of time. Um, it can be blown over in the next generation very, very easily uh, if it's not rooted in something substantive uh, in a in a world and life view that's capable of resisting this systematic unbelief with systematic belief. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's on the one side. So you've got, a, a, in a sense, a country effectively balkanizing politically, um, at least you could say in, in some respects, that might be the correct expression for it. Um, but then on the, on, the, uh, on the other side, on the so-called progressive side, and there's a whole discussion there that we haven't got time for today about how the word liberal has changed meaning and there's these two streams of it. The one that sort of means sort of classical, liberal, small state, free markets, that kind of idea. And then the the sort of remaking of that term uh, into the whole idea of, of actually a big state, a welfare, a large welfare state, a, a nanny state, um, a sort of a more utopian vision of social order. You know, those two uh, both claim the title um, liberal, but within the with the progressive liberal side of the, that that discussion, you got the Democratic Party now being torn apart, just as the um, the Labour Party, uh, historically the Socialist Party in Britain, is being torn apart over the Israel Palestine issue, because that issue is the is the rallying point of the left, um, and mm-hmm. has been for a very long time. So when you've got a sort of doddery uh, uh, old president like uh, Biden um, trying to hold the line on a traditional American perspective on Israel, he's facing all these challenges within his own party. And of course, there's the question of whether he will even be compass mentis to to stand at the next election. Uh, On the other side, you've got the weaponization of the judiciary against Trump as the major threat from the Republican side. Uh, and you can certainly see the the, uh, the 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 benefits of what he left in the Supreme Court with the Roe v. Wade decision. So you can see there's there's pushback. But as as we've experienced in our in in our work in the United States as the Ezra Institute, um, we uh, find that as we speak and teach and and lecture there, very often good Christian people who have the right instincts don't have the world and life view 
uh, undergirding yep. and justifying their uh, position. And that's what we need because if if our if resistance to um, this demoralization, this ideological sub- sub- subversion is to last and is to um, uh, be able to be passed on to the next generation, we have to have scriptural world and life view and we have to have scriptural world and life view teaching and training, right? Like you said, a kind of deep discipleship uh, mm-hmm. in these mm-hmm. um, issues so that it can't be blown away like the wind as it was with the previous generation. Look how quickly... Um, what you could call that traditional Americanism was um, yeah. uh, that uh, that uh, that Yuri Bezmenov referred to. It was just blown away like a puff of wind through the 1960s and 70s uh, by this demoralization because it lacked a sufficient root, and that's true. Um, that's true right across the West. It's more advanced in certain places than others, of course. Uh, but this is this is uh, fundamentally now. Uh, what we are, what we're up against. And that's why, you know, and, and sometimes I know that people wonder why we don't talk more specifically about politics and emphasize politics and parties and running for political office and all these kinds of things. And that's because, as we've used the metaphor before, you know, the mouth of the the, the source of the river is the gospel. That shapes mm-hmm. culture. The mouth of the river is political life. It's where it comes to a sort of final expression in the political aspect of cultural life, but it's right downstream. And until we deal with the with the mouth where the ideological, sorry, the source where this ideological subversion yep. is taking place, we will never actually be able to address the mouth of the river. That's right. All we'll uh, all we'll have are those uh, those band aid solutions that you described. Exactly. Right. Right. Do you want to keep going with this uh, this Bezmanov interview, or do you want to jump to some uh, some more recent uh, uh, election news? Yeah, let's leave it there and jump to um, let's jump to something uh, uh, a bit more uh, contemporary. Give us a little bit of the the latest there. I think we've probably said enough on that. If you go back over the last eighty years, go all the way back to FDR, what do you see? You see, there in fact have only been two incumbent presidents at this particular point in time who have actually trailed for re-election at this point since 1943. One of those I think is fairly familiar given the last slide. That was Donald Trump back in 2020. He, of course, went on to lose. But Joe Biden is just the second president at this point to be trailing for re-election. The average incumbent, in fact, leads by a little bit more than 10 percentage points. So this is extremely unusual to find a president trailing by any margin, even one that, say, two or three percentage points on average, as we saw in that first slide. Okay, well, Biden just won three years ago. So what are the big reasons that he's now trailing? Yeah, I I would say it comes down to age. Uh, You know, it's age in one way. It's age in the fact that voters overwhelmingly believe he's too old to be effective as president. We had a recent New York Times-Siena College poll that found that about 70 percent of likely voters, in fact, said that very different from four years ago when that number was about half. Uh, But it's also age in another way. It's age if you look within the electorate and see where Joe Biden has lost support. Take a look at voters under the age of 35. This is the margin, uh, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Four years ago, Joe Biden won these voters overwhelmingly. He won them by over 20 percentage points. Look at where he is now. Now, he's still ahead of Donald Trump, but he's only ahead by five points. And of course, elections are all about margins. When you look throughout the different age groups, you see essentially that Joe Biden's margins are actually holding amongst the older voters, 
but younger voters have been swinging away from him. And if this ends up being the margin on election day, it would be the smallest margin for a Democratic candidate among voters under the age of 35 since I was actually eligible to vote. So that's how long it's been. Uh, J Donald Trump would absolutely take this. Okay, so uh, I guess one one of the one of the big lessons of uh, of that clip and that those uh, those data points that uh, that the analyst is bringing up is that uh, you uh, you seem to get to get more conservative as you get older, uh, or a uh, there are a new as he mentioned this uh, eighteen to uh, to thirty five uh, voter block, uh, which will obviously include. Uh, first-time voters, people who were too young to be eligible to vote uh, in the previous election, who are coming up, and they they don't have the same they don't have the same allegiances on the one hand, and they don't have the same prejudices necessarily against uh, you know uh, personalities. They they haven't uh, they haven't got got the experience to to have an opinion one way or another, and they're uh, they're looking around. Based on what they what they do know and what they do see, and they are they're voting they're they're tending at least in a uh, an, a different direction, and I'm not uh, I'm not sure we don't we again we don't have enough information, uh, but uh, maybe maybe this is maybe this is one of those uh, one of those band aids that we we're starting to see a swing or a, a reaction against uh, more more leftist democratic policies. Uh, or maybe it's symptomatic of something deeper. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a number of possibilities. One of them that you raised earlier, Ryan, about uh, sometimes people just get tired of looking at the uh, same old, same old, uh, mm -hmm. same face. And um, I think, you know, Joe Biden does not inspire people with confidence when he can't remember which state he's in or can't make his way up the steps of Air Force One or stay on his bike. Um, and so there's, there's, there might be a certain amount of fatigue with the sort of endless gaffes and, uh, all, all those types of things. So as you mm -hmm. say, we don't have enough data points to read in some shift in worldview. In fact, uh, if you look at the work of organizations like the Nehemiah Institute, who we're pretty friendly and close with, um, yes. who've looked at, uh, the, you know, the worldview issues, um, the, those worldview, uh, situations are getting worse. Uh, not better right now right. it's certainly true though at the same time in you know any cultural situation where you can get to a point of exhaustion where people reach a tipping point and the more radical uh the more radical the ideological subversion becomes in its sort of war on created reality uh the and the more worn down people become by attrition uh, in their own experience by it, even if they, in a certain sense, want to agree with it. Uh, you know, we are, we're, we are 40 years on from um, the the KGB interview that we listened to at the beginning of this program. And he was talking about the demoralization being pretty much complete then. So yes. that's a long period of time. You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, 70 years or more, uh, really, um, of of time of this process going on. And the there gets to a point where the damage is so radical. Don't forget, you know, the Soviet Union didn't last. Um, the, uh, you know, Pol Pot's Cambodia didn't last. Um, these, these regimes 
um, where this kind of ideology imposed from the top down, um, uh, they 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 have a shelf life too. So yeah. I think we'd be, as you say, reading too much into this to to see a worldview shift because there's no evidence of that. In fact, probably the contrary. But there is exhaustion um, and uh, there and reality bites. And you know, as you mm-hmm. get older. Um, and you start to have to take responsibility for yourself and pay your way. And, uh, you know, once you're in your sort of late 20s and early 30s, like some of that demographic that was just referred to, and you've got children arriving uh, and other vocational challenges and responsibilities, um, you start to begin to think differently about uh, uh, the, 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 the nature and character of the real world. And you haven't got the luxury of living in the la-la land of ideological utopias uh so there'll be a number of factors there i'm sure um but obviously you know um on the one hand any move in in a in a, in a positive direction away from radical progressivism um can be seen as a uh you know a, a positive step but it but there's no solution here without a religious change a fundamental religious change so that's uh that's really that's where we are. Some of these uh, some of these issues are par for the course in an in an election year. Some of them are uh, are unique to uh, to this specific situation over the you know the age the per, the the person who's actually in office, and uh, some of some of these are as we've seen, are deep and uh, embedded realities, uh, manufactured realities that uh, that have been uh, strategically built into the culture by hostile forces. And the, uh, mm-hmm. the solution, the response is to, uh, to pull the, uh, pull the cover off, identify them, know what, uh, what it is that we're dealing with and respond uh, from, from a position of, you know, st- uh, strong reliance on Scripture and on the uh, the Holy Spirit of God to uh, to work and to act. And this is uh, you, you read Scripture. This is not this is not unprecedented. Stronger, uh, larger, uh, more totalitarian, better established, older uh, empires have uh, have gone under uh, because God decided that it was. Uh, it was their time, mm-hmm. and this is uh, this is why we we led with that reading from Psalm two, that uh, the, the nations will will and are uh, raging, and uh, and God is sitting and laughing, and he he's the one mm-hmm. who uh, who raises up and deposes kings and rulers, and uh, at the end of the day, he is he has set his son in Zion to rule, and that's uh, that's who we who we worship and serve. Do homage to the sun, absolutely, unless you perish in the way. And that is, right. the, that is the choice before our nations right now, even as we go into an election cycle next year. Right. Well, Joe, thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing some of these clips and uh, the commentary. This has, been a, this has been an enjoyable and worthwhile experiment here. Thank you for uh, being with us to all who have been listening and watching. We appreciate your support. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. We remind you that from him and through him and to him are all things. May Jesus Christ our King be glorified.
we'll see you next week.